Switch that perspective by being one breath away from giving up to one breath away from a breakthrough in your life by switching that perspective. It can happen yeah. in a moment in time to give you hope just to get through another day and get going in the right direction. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, Championship Leadership Podcast. We've got a special guest with us today, Shay Hillenbrand, uh, currently out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to be able to share. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's get right into it. Championship Leadership is the name of the podcast. Well, what comes to mind for you? What does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that? Wow, totally different now than when I was on top of the world uh, yeah. as a as a celebrity baseball player <laughs> playing in the MLB, becoming an all star, making you know eight figures, private jets, all that stuff. Uh, but championship leadership with me right now is perspective. It's internal leadership of of who you are. I always ask my people I'm around, like, how do you know what you want if you don't know who you are? So I, I definitely didn't know who I was when I was on top of the world, living out my first childhood dream. Uh, uh, but if I did know who I was, I would probably be able to have sustainable success and find fulfillment through that process. So, uh, you know, leadership right now is just is transformational leadership, leading by example, yeah. figuring out who you are and uh, what your attributes are, uh, your gifts and talents to be able to add value to other people. Well, I know you, you, you know, we were talking before you came on too, and, um, you know, some things that you're doing with veterans coming combat veterans, especially coming back and, uh, you know, trying to figure out their identity and the same thing, you know, it's very common for professional athletes for their career to end. And like, man, who am I? I thought I was, you know, once it's once, once you don't have a, a use, I guess you could say, right. Like, um, they're kind of done with you. It's the business side of things and trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do with your life after that. So, you know, you talked about, so you didn't know your identity when you were playing. Is that what you said? hundred percent. Why is that? Like, what do you mean? Um, for myself, and I can only speak for myself, but I've, yeah. I've worked and I've, and I've talked with a plethora of, of professional athletes. And it's, it seems to be the same scenario over and over and over um, what it is, what it comes down to is if you don't know who you are before you go into what you do, uh, your name becomes the game. It becomes your identity. The pressure to that, to that success of whatever level you're trying to achieve becomes so great that you, you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and when I left major league baseball, uh, and went through some you know, life really humbled me. It took me to a point where I was one breath away from, from losing my life. Uh, when I left the game, I became obsessed to, to try to figure out why did that Shea Hillenbrand that played major league baseball not reach his full potential. And what I discovered as I pulled the back, the layers, of the onion from myself and my own experiences, not going to a Tony Robbins conference, not going to masterminds, not going to, you know, reading books and stuff like that. It's just from my experiences myself is that uh, my perspective was jaded. My perspective of how I viewed the world was was fueled by negativity, by anger, by rage, uh, because of stories that I told myself. And, and that perspective, you know, is the baseline of your belief system. And I didn't believe anything outside of I'm playing Major League Baseball because I wanted to play Major League Baseball and reach the highest level to try to get approval and admiration and love from my father uh, because of experiences that we had uh, throughout my adolescence and my childhood. Mm -hmm. So as I kind of like did more research and got deeper with myself of understanding, like what really is operating me is that, you know, it comes from experiences in my life. At 14 years old, my dad walks into my room and he drops a bombshell on me. 
just just imagine yourself at 14. I just finished ninth grade, which is still junior high, junior high in Southern California. Yeah. And I'm going to high school, which is my sophomore year, formative years of my life. And, you know, I found my community of uh, friends and sports, my identity. I was, I was mm. fairly well, fairly good at sports, but I didn't know who I was, didn't know how to communicate, kind of struggled internally and lived inside this internal world of, of chaos of what I created uh, with how I interpreted and communicated experiences. So my dad walks into my room and he says, son, we're moving out of state. I was like, what? Like yeah. I was set to go into high school. I was scared to go into that transition, whatever. But uh, when my dad left the room that day, the story I told myself was I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. And my dad doesn't love me. How can he take me from this? I was left on my own to kind of interpret and communicate that experience to myself and the feelings I got what received when I went through that experience was negative. It was like heart wrenching. So uh, that story that I wrapped around those emotions that wrapped around that story was I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. And it just, it drove me to the point to where I wanted to become an overachiever through athletics. Yeah. That's the only place I could excel in. I uh, wasn't really that good in school. Didn't really have, uh, you know, didn't know how to communicate with people. Uh, really wasn't standing out in any other way other than athletics. So mm-hmm. I became an overachiever through athletics and, High school, I became the number one soccer player in the state of Arizona. Really? I had chances to play in Europe. I had chances to play uh, university. But my childhood dream, I, I'm, I want to play Major League Baseball. Yeah. So I walked on at a local community college out here in Arizona, Mesa Community College. And the only reason I made the team was because of my work ethic. First guy there, last guy to leave every single day. I was committed. That pain was driving me. Uh, that story was driving me and fueling me uh, to try to achieve the highest level of success I could. So after my sophomore season of junior college baseball, I became the number one baseball player at the junior college level in Arizona, getting drafted by the Red Sox. I scaled five years to the minor league system with the Boston Red Sox because there's different levels in the minor leagues for baseball. And I got player of the year three of the five years and give myself a chance to play major league baseball. I'm there. I'm on stage. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, playing the Orioles opening day, 2001 as a rookie, my first stop in the major leagues. I have tears coming down my face. Cause I'm so I did it yeah. five years ago. I was playing junior college baseball. Now I'm in the major leagues, 20,000 people all time, hundred years, get a chance to play major league baseball, but I still had that pain resonating inside me. So seven years of major league baseball, um, man, highlight after highlight after highlight as the first Red Sox player to hit a game winning home run off of Mariano Rivera, the all time greatest closer for the Yankees at Fenway yeah. Park. I was in two all-star games. I was in a perfect game. I had three home runs and in consecutive innings in one game. Uh, I was in two other no hitters. I have $20 million in the bank. I'm flying private jets, three mansions, six automobiles, uh, 300 pairs of shoes. I'm rubbing shoulders with the who's who Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon's in our clubhouse, JLo, like all this stuff. I'm on top of the world. I have anything and everything you could ever imagine of what everybody thinks success is about but I didn't have that fulfillment. I didn't have that peace. That pain inside myself resonated so deeply. It put me to a position in the prime of my career to be numb to everyone and everybody around me. So I make a decision proving to be the biggest decision of my life. I walked away. I quit. I just vanished in the prime of my career. And I, I said, if I could, I convinced myself, I just come home to be a father to my children. And, and if I pursue my second childhood dream of owning a zoo, Everything would be great. So I got this great idea of purchasing a 38-acre horse farm in Gilbert, Arizona. I accumulated 300 farm and exotic animals. 
I had camels, kangaroos, llamas, alpacas, monkeys, raccoons, two 800-pound Wilshire pigs, Taco Bell and Gilbert. I had a Holstein cow named Biggie Smalls, and I had a mini donkey named Tupac. And we had to separate them at night because they'd have coast-to-coast wars. I'm just joking, but, but it's just like I had a C&I pony for a, a blind horse. I had a three-legged goat named Trace. Like these animals were just amazing, and I used animals to be able to influence and impact the children in our community, disabled child crisis and inner city children through my nonprofit foundation against all odds. And man, like the joy I received witnessing my animals transform thousands of children's lives in our community was just priceless. I'm bound to get fulfillment now. Like, like Major League Baseball didn't do it. The fame didn't do it. The glory, the status, all being on TV, everything, yeah. all the money didn't do it. This has to do it right? Because I'm helping out other people and I'm rescuing animals, but it didn't. See, what I was doing is I was running and numbing and fleeing from those pain points in my life because those stories I told myself that are related to those pain points. Mm -hmm. So eight years ago, I found myself on the floor of a van parked outside my ex-wife's house. Uh, my, my children were arms distance away. And here I lie, a person that so many people envy, major league baseball player. And after I overdosed on drugs and alcohol, like, like the soul's leaving the top of my head and I'm clinging onto my last breath. And I'm like, the, the, the thoughts, there's, I mean, so many people could relate to this right here. The thoughts were so negative and toxic. There's limiting beliefs. You're a loser. You lost everything. You're pathetic. You said you quit baseball because your kids, you're a hypocrite. You didn't quit, but you, you got, you got ran out of there because your ego and your pride. And, and what would your parents think if you left this world today, Shay, what kind of dad would do this to his kids? All these thoughts were just racing through my mind. My answer to that was, I don't know. I'm nothing if I don't have baseball. So I let go. I don't know if I died or if I fell asleep. I was so tired of fighting that game. I couldn't win. That God-sized hole inside myself just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I tried to fill it with everything externally, the success and giving and helping other people out and all the, all the monetary, all the materialistic stuff. Everything in the world couldn't fill that void and that pain that I caused from those stories that I told myself, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. But by the grace of God, the next day, my son peered through the front windshield of my van eight years ago, I was sleeping in a van that I lived in, mm -hmm. like talking about humiliating as your kids are going to school, telling all their friends that their daddy played for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I woke up, didn't have any side effects, didn't have any nausea, headache, nothing. And the concoction of alcohol and pills I consumed the night before, I should either have been dead or in a hospital. But what I want to share with everybody is that this is so relevant with so many people because I wasn't a drug addict and I wasn't an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict now and I'm not an alcoholic now. I just couldn't figure out how to get rid of that pain, that pain that so many people are going through right now, post COVID, trying to figure out what to do with jobs and business and family. We're just lost and you know wound up in social media and all that stuff. So at that point in time, it was like an aha moment. I said, man, I got to take back control and own my life. Two major decisions that I didn't have to before. I could just hide behind the veil of major league baseball player. I could treat everybody like garbage and everybody else would just still love me. I mean, I'd had little girls in the stands holding up signs like, will you marry me, Shay? I would do autograph signings for $10,000 an hour and girls would come to the table crying and shaking just because they got to meet me. Like I was in a boy band. Like, how do you yeah. process that, man? When internally you think you're the biggest piece of garbage in the world and you have this pain inside yourself just sitting there in that compartment ready to blow the lid. 
So I got into momentum. I said, I got to get into momentum because I know when you get into momentum, stacking little wins on top of each other, that's how I got to the top playing Major League Baseball. I just, just do one thing at a time. And, and then I just, when you get into momentum, like you'll, you'll get rewarded, like life will reward you. And then I had to be on guard of the language I'd say to myself, like, like the most important conversation we'll ever have is that conversation with ourselves. What are we saying to ourselves? Those conversations I had with myself were really negative really self-defeating and it puts so many self-limited beliefs on me as Shea Hillenbrand, the person, not Shea Hillenbrand, the major league baseball player. I can hit a major league fastball in my sleep, but who am I? Like, who am I? Like that chapter closed when I was 32 years old. I had the rest of my life. What am I doing? And then I had to install a new belief system, a new belief system outside of what I did playing major league baseball because the most powerful force in human nature is for us to stay congruent to what we believe to be true about ourselves so i had to look in the mirror and say shit what do you believe about yourself well you're scum you're an idiot you're all these things and i had to recreate a new belief system a new self-confidence and and all those things because self-doubt has creeped in so big you wouldn't think as a professional athlete who made you know $20 $20 million would have to deal with that. But we do because we're so singular minded with the profession. And when that profession is like this ripped from you and you can't do it anymore, it is the scariest yeah. thing in the world. So that was the foundation of what I do now. I teach, you know, and I, and I share the MLB mindset because everybody thinks of major league baseball because, but it, MLB mindset with what I do is momentum, language, and beliefs. And those three irrefutable laws, those three truths are the foundation of my life today and the lives of hundreds of people that I coach and speak to around the world is trying to get the baseline of that. Like you got to get into momentum. You have yeah. to understand the language you're talking to yourself and you have to start believing in yourself. So many people have limited beliefs as you see, because you're in the space doing an amazing job that that's what's blocking everybody from what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how did, so how did you, uh, how did you work through all of that, like where there's some people that came along to help you yeah, that process or yeah. Like what the good did Lord it, brought, did you feel like it clicked for you? Yeah. The good Lord brought strategic people into my life. And that was, uh, uh the main one is my wife, Kristen today. And we've been married seven years and, and it took a strong woman. And, uh, I, I, you, you, you have amazing answers. You have amazing experience, but I wouldn't listen to you because I couldn't trust you. Yeah. And the reason why I couldn't trust you is because I didn't trust myself. Sure. And that's what it came down to. But I knew if, if God put a woman into my life, I'd, I, there'd be some way, somehow I would let her in. I would be vulnerable enough with that person. And, uh, you know, we uncovered a lot of stuff and, uh, yeah. but the biggest thing is I discovered my smile yeah. and, uh, fulfillment and peace and happiness and purpose and drive and all ambition, all the stuff I was trying to seek on top of the world, being yeah. a celebrity athlete, um, I have it now. I found it. And when I found it, I was like, man, I can't keep this to myself. I have to share it with other people. This is the last thing I thought I'd ever be doing in my life. So, <laughs> and other strategic people came to my life. I'm telling you, man, like if yeah. we just get into momentum and keep doing the things every single day, we will get rewarded some way or another. Uh, yeah. Things will open up. Opportunities will arise. People will come into our life. Uh, but, but for myself, like I have to prepare every single day for the next step, for the next level, because when that opportunity comes, I want to be prepared to, to, to achieve that. And those are the kind of things that I learned and kind of mastered playing major league baseball and being successful at that. Well, I know you just mentioned uh, God a couple of times. Was that, was he always, uh, did you always have a relationship with God or was that something that helped you? Yeah. Through the yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So what happens is I've always, I've always been a believer. I gave my life to Christ when I was in double a, 
when I was what 22 or 23 with my buddy. But the thing is, is like, if, if you don't know how, like, I didn't know how to have a relationship. Yeah. I really didn't have a relationship with my father here. How can I have a relationship with God when, when I can't see him, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and the pressure at that level is like, I, I really can't invest too much time into this because I have to focus on performing. I have to focus on mastering the crash because I have to get to the big leagues because if I get to the big leagues, that will be the end all cure all of everything right. I'm trying to seek. But I had it all twisted to backwards. So, um, yeah, I, I believe that God woke me up that day in the van and I believe God put Christian into my life. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe that happens to a lot of people, but what I've discovered through the, through that process is like the good book says, do not conform yourself to the world, but transform yourself by the renewal of your mind. Like my mind was so toxic that I had to transform that I'm in control of that. God can't do that. I can't pray it away. All I could do is meditate and put the, you know, meditate on the word and start putting good things in and start taking back control of my mindset. Cause I know perspective and mindset is the one thing that everybody needs to work on uh, to be able to get them from where they are right now to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve or their heart desires or, yeah. or the visions or dreams that they have. So uh, integral part. Yeah. yeah. I've, I, I try to do everything I could to ruin my life and in my, yeah, so right. I've already proved that I got to die to my flesh every single day. <laughs> I got to pray to God. I trust you. Will the guide me, lead yeah. me? What vision do you want me to do? Put the people in front of me. You want me to, to, to speak into. And, and that's where it's at. And I'm just, I'm on fire. I love it. I, oh, I love life now at 47 years old. I feel better than when I was in the prime of my major league baseball career. So uh, yeah. Awesome. What, uh, what about the relationship with your father? I know you mentioned that and that seemed to be a little bit of a route to a lot of the pain that you had. And was that something that you were able to, uh get right or get through or how did you work through that or where is the relationship with your dad now yeah absolutely thank you for asking that's a great question because this is where a lot of hiccup is for a lot of men out there and uh you know those stories and those experiences and and those those are like self that putting perspectives that don't really have anything to do with our uh, our fathers but what we perceive our relationship with right. our fathers we had kind of a generational curse what my dad went through uh, with his mom pulling her out of bars when he was 13 years old because his dad wouldn't do it and his dad he was never good enough for his dad his dad was really hard on him so we were really fighting a generational curse and that's the number one thing mm -hmm. that Kristen, my wife said she's like you have to have a better, you have to get reconnect with your father. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. you're going to reconnect with your father. See, I cut my parents out of my whole career. I have to live with that. And that's yeah. a horrible thing to live with. But uh, I, I discovered my story and what I discovered to the process. See, we can rewrite history. Like we can mm -hmm. we, like, like you can't physically change the experience that happened in our past, whether it's a traumatic experience or a defining moment in our life. But what we could do is we can go back and we could change our perspective to that experience. But so many of us men and mostly men don't want to do that because like I said, the emotions wrapped around that perspective to that experience is very uncomfortable and we don't want to go back there and deal with that. So I said, I, I have to deal with this stuff. So I went back and like re reverse engineering. You know what really happened? You know what the truth is? Why we moved from California to Arizona? It was for them, my parents to give me a chance and an opportunity to play major league baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we moved. Crazy. And I was like, why didn't you just tell me that guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but my dad, you know, they didn't really communicate, you know, emotionally yeah. unavailable. Right. And that's just the generation where he grew up in. You know what I mean? Like you just gotta, gotta go work. He worked three jobs seven days a week for like eight years straight to, to try to provide a better life than what his parents provided him. And all these things, I was like, why didn't you tell me this mom? 
why don't you tell me this mom? So I sat down with my father at the supper table about five years ago. And, and uh, I said, dad, I'm gonna share my story. So I share my story. He was crying. I was crying. Mom's crying. And he's like, son, we've been trying to tell you this your whole life. And I said, I know, but I was stuck in my own way because the pain that was wrapped around the story I was telling myself was so great that I, I didn't know how to process through that. I said, you're my idol, dad. Like, it's amazing. Like to see your characteristics and what you've done to make yourself who you are. Now that I've been able, able to choose a different perspective. And I said, dad, I love you. And I reached over to go give him a hug. And he's like, Oh, don't, don't, don't touch me. It was really sad to see somebody at 72 years old, like, like, uh, man, like, like with those feelings, I couldn't, couldn't feel with that. So Fast forward four months after that, we're at my house, uh, my wife's in my house, and my dad's like, son, I need to talk to you. And whatever my dad said that our whole life, man, my stomach was just went into my throat at 40 years old. I'm like, the same experience. I'm sitting at my dinner table in my house with my dad. He's like, son, I just want to let you know like how proud I am of you. And that's all I ever wanted my whole life. And I said, dad, wait, wait, let, let me get that. Let, let, let me video this. Say that again. He's like, no, I'm never going to say that again. Like, <laughs> whatever. But it's just like, it's crazy to think of the words and, and the, the power of the words that we have towards other people that look up to us, right. As yeah. father influence or a mother influence or whatever. So uh, then we then you fast forward like two or three years later. Um, and then uh, my father passed away in the middle of the night. My mom gave me a call and she says, come over your son. And my dad actually donated his body to science. So my mom and Chris and my wife and my father is dead on the floor of the living room at their house. And we're sitting there for like three hours. And just to see my mom's unconditional love for him, married 53 years, having to go through what she went through with him was just the, the most beautiful sign of love, I've, expression of love I've ever seen. And my mom says, all right, say goodbye to your dad now, Shay. So I pulled the sheet back and I kissed my dad in the forehead. And I said, dad, I'm going to go use my voice to help change the world for you. So that's kind of one of the driving factors of what I'm doing right now is just, man, like we got to change that perspective. We got to audit our perspective. We got to see how we view the world and how we operate. What's our truth where we operate from. And as we know, so many people are operating at such a low level, 40 to 60% of what they're capable and what they've been put here to do. So many people's dreams and visions have gone dormant because life's kicked them in the tail and they think life's passed them by. And it's Mm -hmm. so not true. Yeah, and the perspective right. that they formed from that pain point of that experience in their life has locked and blocked the access to the power inside them. So what they do is like, if I just go get this success or go do this or go watch Netflix or go eat or whatever, they form all these addictions to run numb and flee from that pain. And I'm just trying to bring light with my story and my vulnerability at such a high level experience. Like what you're going through, I've been through. And whoever, doesn't matter where you are, whether you're on the streets, you're walking into the Ritz-Carlton, we all fight the same battles. This is how we navigate it and the perspective we form from it. Yeah. Well, so what is, what's, yeah. What is that vision for you? And what's, what's the big impact you're looking to make now uh, that, you, that you're on the path you are? Yeah. So I have MLB mindset. So what I've, what I've clearly, the lane I've clearly defined is I want to, I, I speak, I teach, I coach and I create video content. And from there, I love speaking. I love being on stage. I was on stage two weekends ago, last weekend. I'm going to New Jersey this weekend. And just speaking life, man, just being truthful and, and just being real and, and the passion and the energy uh, is moving people and just sharing my story to bring light. Uh, so long story short, long and the short of it, like what God told me to do is like, 
I want you to go out to revitalize souls and plant seeds, revitalize souls and plant seeds. So many people are struggling right now. Uh, you know, so it's just like, okay, how do we, how do we bust through that? ego? How do we bust through all that noise? It's just changing the state and, and people feeling what you're saying and, and going in there and say, you know what, providing hope and inspiration and some tips and tricks and techniques to get people out of where they are right now. So I'm just focusing on going around everywhere I go, just revitalize souls and plant seeds. Powerful. I love that. What's, <laughs> what's, uh, you know, and maybe you've already talked about it, but maybe you can a little bit more, but I think a lot of to what you've been talking about, um, you know, there's, there's critical, we all have some critical moments in our life and, and, and this is decisions that we make in those times that really kind of, you know, determine where we end up. Right. So obviously you made the decision you did in, in the moment for you. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people you've been talking about, it which has been tough, challenging times, especially over the last few years, a lot of uncertainty going on and people are in some, some of these difficult moments right now. And they're trying to just, man, if they only knew which way to choose before, you know, if like they could only know the result before they made the decision. Right. But unfortunately that's not how life works, but you can draw power from people that have been in those situations and, and hear how they, chose themselves in those moments so is there a, a time in your life you, comes to mind you could share with the listener yeah it's, i mean it's just i just try to provide a safe space being vulnerable for people could be other people could be vulnerable i wish i wish i had myself now when i played major league baseball i would have wrote myself a million dollar check and said dude yeah. come with me because you got the answers i would have made 50 60 70 i mean that's just like business wise but that's yeah, right i mean that, that's you know i, I don't want to think about that but i would have been able to tap into more potential with where they are. I mean, we're all in this together, right? So it's just like, okay, how do we come out there and provide that voice to and a safe space to say, you know what, it's all right. It's all right as a man to say, you know what, I'm scared, I'm hurt, I'm struggling. I I have these limited beliefs, but but I have to provide and protect my family. I got to show up and serve my family. I got to be the lead servant and all. It's just like we can't give what we don't have. And so many of us men are empty, and so many of us men are struggling. Uh, uh, you know, we're 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 in quiet desperation, just trying to reach something, and when we don't know where to go because we don't know how to articulate it or ask her or just share like i am stuck so what we do is we run numb and flee from that we go to pornography we go to gambling we go to drinking we go to drugs we go to promiscuousness all these toxic negative things and i did all that stuff uh, and i can speak into that because i, I for only from my experience and and being able to replace those habits and be able to replace those uh habitual routines with something that's more empowering and productive uh like my stress like personally like my stress reliever uh for for a period of time was drinking wine with my wife and we i mean we see sunsets every day i'm blessed to be able to be in a very nice you know i'm blessed with my situation i'm in right now and my wife can drink a glass of wine and and just chill Shay can't just drink a glass of wine and chill. So the glass of wine turns into one, two, three, four, five. And all of a sudden I find myself escaping my stress because we all have stress. We all have pressure in our lives. And and I didn't realize that. And I was going down an area and this is recently, I was going down an area that wasn't productive. It was, it was kind of dividing some things. And I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, I need to take a step back and audit this. Like, like, okay. I can't just say, Hey, did you stop drinking? Because like it doesn't work. Well, why am I drinking? Oh, that's my stress reliever. Okay, at four o'clock or five o'clock every single day, I have this urge to want to go just get a glass of wine and just hang out and relax. I've had a good day of work and all that stuff. But yeah. what can I replace that with? 
oh, five, five houses down is the clubhouse uh, and there's a weight room. So every day at five o'clock, I'm down to the weight room and that's my stress reliever. That's what I replace that with, with a positive thing to build up and edify who I am and keep me going in the right direction rather than limiting me. So it's like, okay, what's our stress relievers? Is it video games? Is it social media? Is it eating? Is it something that's like you just want to escape? What can we do? to continue to go because there's people out there right now that need to hear our voice, man. There's yeah. people out there right now wanting to put a pistol in their mouth because they're one breath away from giving up and maybe not even to that extreme. Cause I've, I get emails and texts and, and, and DMS all the time. Like oh, I watched your video and I was going to commit suicide, but I didn't. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. Don't even understand the power of your message and the story that you have. So it's just like some people are just one breath away from giving up on, on their dreams and their vision and their job and their marriage and their kid, whatever it might be. And I'm just passionately like on a mission just to help people like, dude, no, 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 switch that perspective. Like being one breath away from giving up to one breath away from a breakthrough in your life by mm -hmm. switching that perspective. It could happen yeah. in a moment in time to give you hope just to get through another day and get going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we start to wrap this up, like what, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that the listener can implement today would help move their life forward today. Uh, what would you say to them? Get moving, get moving, get moving, get moving the quickest way to the minds of the body. If you have to walk, if you have to exercise, right. you have to do something whatever. Like, like I, my, 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 one of my really good friends, he's an actor in Hollywood now. Uh, so we're like the cheapest therapy is exercise and the cheapest therapy, yeah. like mental therapy. Like, like this is working out, you know what I mean? So if we can understand that, like I go trail running every, uh, you know, I have a trails outside our house and uh -huh. I'm always moving. And when I got stagnant, like seriously, I was fat, bald and homeless when I met my wife eight yeah. years ago. She likes to tell everybody, yeah, she was fat, bald and homeless. It used to affect me because I used to have a big, no, 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 no. But now it's like, oh yeah, you're right. So it's like, I lived that as a professional yeah. athlete that took it very serious. I was a, a physical specimen, a machine when I played baseball, but when I left, you know, like we got to keep moving. So once you keep moving, it's going to change you, the, give you the endorphins, give you the dopamine releases. It's going to change your state of being. And when you're yeah. in that new state of being, so I'm going to exercise, I'm going to move. And when I'm in that state of being, what I want to do is audit my perspective. How am I viewing the world? How I, I say there's three pillars. There's your personal pillar, which is you, right? The internal you, like the internal world of, of spirit, mind, and body and how that operates. And then there's your private pillar. I say private pillar because when you're a celebrity athlete, like your interpersonal relationships, yeah. your wife, your spouse, and your children, and, and that's your private life. Like you can yeah. mess with me all you want. Don't mess with my family, right? right? Don't yeah. put them on blast. You can put me on blast all you want all over TV because I know that as a, but your private life and then your professional life. But I'm telling you, and if you take care of your personal life, which is you, and excel in your private life, which is your interpersonal relationships, you can't not, your, your success yeah. in your profession right. will just, it'll explode. It'll explode. So many of us put all of our eggs in a basket of, of our profession. And I got to do this. I got to reach this level. I got to reach six figures. I got to, whatever that might be. I got to release the next level in my company or whatever. Like that's just the opposite of what we need to be thinking. Get yeah. moving audit your perspective in those three pillars, your personal, private, and your professional pillar, and start taking action. Yeah, We can't know what to do until we understand and own where we're at. So many people see it, and so many people might own where they are, but the thing is they got to take action. For most people, stop the bleeding. Stop doing the rituals and habits on a daily basis that's bleeding you out bleeding your cup out. We got to fill our cup up, right? To give yeah. to our family and give to other people. I can't give what I don't have. So we need to start on level one and just stop the bleeding and just take one step at a time. And those steps will just keep going and keep going. And all of a sudden, you never know. You might be a two-time all-star 
in whatever you do or whatever you try to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Keep moving. I 100%. I mean, I, I am, uh, I'm right with you with everything that you said today. It's like true belief, uh, true core message for me as well. So, um, what is the main spot we can go to, to find out more about what you're up to and, and your mission and, and, you know, your videos, your training, your speaking. Yeah. I'm at uh, shayhillenbrand.co. So shayhillenbrand.co. Apparently a baseball fan owns shayhillenbrand.com. Yeah, yeah, pay yeah, them a lot absolutely. of money. So I'm not going to pay somebody for that name to me. So shayhillenbrand.co. Yeah. And then I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just, you can just okay. shayhillenbrand. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you all linked up for that. And uh, no worries. And, uh, I do appreciate you being here for the listener. You know, you want more incredible content, just like, uh, with Shay Hill and brand here today on championship leadership podcast, just stay where you're at. Don't go anywhere and, and, uh, tune into the next episode. Shay, thank you so much. It's been incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time.